Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. A Mormon knocks on your door. Do you open the door and graciously welcome them, or do you bolt the door and hope they go away? How do we authentically share the gospel in an increasingly pluralistic culture? Join us for the message, Bearing Witness. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church. <clears throat> We're here in Duncanville, Texas. So, a Mormon knocks on your door. Do you open the door and graciously welcome them to your home? Do you plaster on a blank a smile like a caged animal and just hope they go away soon? Or do you take a page from medieval castle defense and prepare to, to pour boiling oil on their heads? <laughs> so how do we authentically share the gospel in an increasingly pluralistic culture without angering everybody. Join us later for our message, Bearing Witness. This week's scripture shall come from the book of Acts and 1 Corinthians. We'll start with Acts 1, 6 through 8. Listen now to the word of God. <clears throat> so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 6, and verses 18 I'm sorry, verse 16 and verses 18 through 23. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, have you ever been accosted by somebody at a street corner handing out religious tracts? Uh, did you rebuff them or did you take a track? Well, I usually take one out of curiosity, but then I make it very clear by my body language and my lack of eye contact that I do not want to talk or engage with them. So what about those Mormons or the Jehovah Witnesses who come to your front door? 
Do you open the door or do you consider getting out that boiling oil? Well, when I was building my house, I deliberately had no glass or windows put in around my front door because I wanted to be able to quietly go up to the door, look through the peephole, and decide if I wanted to let that person in or not without them knowing whether or not I was actually home. In fact, I told the contractor, do not let that workman install the peephole without me being present because I wanted to make sure it was installed at the right level. Because I've been in many a hotel room where the peephole was too high for me to see out of. Because some six-foot workman who wasn't thinking installed the peephole at just the right height for someone who's six feet tall. You know, Methodists, we rarely hand out tracts in the street or go from door to door evangelizing. Because we Methodists have, we have too much of a sense of decorum. We don't want to offend. We don't want to come off as some kind of a religious nutcase or a fiery fundamentalist or, worst of all, a Baptist. <laughs> I think sometimes we Methodists just have an abject fear of appearing to be Baptists. So have any of you ever been part of a church where you were asked to hand out treks or to go door to door? I never, I never had that wonderful opportunity. But because we Methodists don't tend to do such things, we often then, the flip side of that is we often have not been taught how to share Christ with others or how to witness to our faith. So how many of you feel completely comfortable and competent sharing your faith? Very good. I saw a few more like this. I'm a pastor. In other words, I'm a professional Christian. And I don't always feel comfortable or competent sharing my faith. So what then holds us back? Well, first of all, we don't want to offend. We truly don't want to offend or appear to be Baptist. We might fear that our witness would be perceived as criticism, or we fear rejection, or we might fear that our lives will not match our words, that we might be revealed as hypocrites. And so here's my personal confession. There is a reason that there is no indication on my car whatsoever that I'm a pastor or even a Christian, because that would obligate me to hold up to Christian standards while I drove. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know how to bring up the subject. We are uncomfortable talking about faith. A lot of us have never told our faith story and wouldn't really even know how to. We're not sure, some of us, even what we really believe, so how could we share something? Or maybe we don't even think that it's really all that important. In reality, though, everything that we say or do proclaims the gospel. So what sermon are you preaching? What picture of Christ do others glean from your life? Do others see a child of God who is transformed by God's love and grace? Someone who, has, who then exudes that same, love and, that same love and grace to others? Or is it a sermon that's more of one of arrogance or judgmentalism? We all know people whose Christian witness has been so neurotic or even toxic. So instead of drawing others to Christ... Their witness ends up repelling others 
from considering the Christian faith or even just the possibility of going to church. I once heard the story of a young man who was participating in a traveling tour with a gay men's chorus from another city. I don't remember which city it is, but this chorus came to Dallas to perform, and they were going to perform at the Cathedral of Hope. Now, if you're not familiar with the Cathedral of Hope, it's, it's, in, the, it's in Dallas, and it is the largest predominantly LGBTQ church in the world. So there is no other church in the entire world where it would be safer to be LGBTQ. But this young man had been so emotionally and spiritually abused by the church in which he grew up that entering any church building, even the Cathedral of Hope, would literally send him into an anxiety attack and he'd begin to hyperventilate. And when he tried to walk into the Cathedral of Hope building, he became so upset he had to turn around and exit just so that he could breathe again. And when I hear stories like that, it makes me want to smack someone upside of the head. Not a particularly Christian response, but it's what I feel. If the Christian witness we project is unkind or arrogant or judgmental, we're just going to end up doing more harm than good. And yet I can't, I can't forget what the risen Christ beckoned us to do. The very closing words of the, of the Gospel of Matthew Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do obey everything that I've commanded you. So how do we follow the command of Christ and share the good news of God's love, which is really very good news, but do that without causing more harm than good? How do we share our story in such a way that it actually draws people to Christ or draws people to the church? And the answer is that we do it very carefully, and we do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Effective faith sharing really can only happen with the power of the Holy Spirit. Even though Jesus commanded his followers to go out and to make disciples, he also advised them to, to wait until they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the, pas in the passage that Michael read, Jesus said to his disciples, this is right before, this is after he was resurrected, right before he ascended to heaven. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then also remember what we read from last week's passage. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. So we don't know how to pray as we ought. And we also don't know how to share Christ as we ought. But again, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And there are several ways that the Spirit enables us to be a faithful witness. First of all, the Spirit enables us to be a credible witness. Think about what makes for being a credible witness in a court of law. Well, generally, you need to have been at the scene of the crime and then be able to adequately and truthfully articulate what you saw and what you heard. Several years ago, back when I was in college, I actually was a, a court witness in a civil trial uh, because one morning I was uh, going to church and another vehicle hit my car. And the accident was clearly the other person's fault, but his insurance company 
refused to pay for the damage to our car. It was actually one of our neighbors, and he was incredibly embarrassed that his insurance company would not pay for the damage that he, uh, that he said he caused to the car. But this made my father quite angry at the insurance company. And so my cousin was an attorney, so Dad told him to sue the insurance company and that any money he collected would be his fee. Dad didn't care about the money. For him, it was kind of just the principle of the matter. So I got on the stand, and I told my story, and we won the case. I was able to be a good witness because I had personally experienced the accident and been observant of the details, and then I was able to articulate what happened to a jury. Likewise, to be a credible witness for Christ, we need to have a personal experience of Christ. The presence of Christ needs to be a palpable reality in our lives. And this is so much more than just knowing facts about Jesus or being able to recite Bible verses. Now, of course, knowing facts about Jesus and knowing, knowing the Bible are really great assets. But it's the Holy Spirit that turns our intellectual beliefs into a heartfelt faith that permeates our soul. It's the Spirit that makes Christ real for us. Jesus told us himself to expect this, in fact. On his last night with his disciples, before his crucifixion, he said to them, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So to review, the first way that the Spirit enables us to be a faithful witness is by enabling us to be credible witnesses. Secondly, the Holy Spirit enables us to be a faithful witness by then giving us the gift and the power to communicate the gospel effectively. Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they received the gift of the Spirit. And that Spirit then came on Pentecost morning. The Spirit came in with this rush of a mighty wind. And it, it was, the, the, the Spirit filled up the disciples, enabling them to preach the gospel in all the various languages of the people. And the small band of disciples was able to communicate the gospel in such a way that other people could hear it and comprehend the gospel. The Holy Spirit still gives us the ability to communicate the gospel in ways that other people can hear it and comprehend. The trick is that we need to realize that sometimes the way other people receive and comprehend the gospel may not coincide with the way you or I might receive and comprehend the gospel because we're all different. If we're able to communicate the gospel, if we really want to, then we have to be flexible in how we present the gospel. Because the way that others need to hear the gospel may not be the way in which we are comfortable. So we may need to get out of that comfort zone. For example, some people will want to hear your personal story about Jesus has come into your life and and through Jesus, you have become a new person. Others will be more interested in getting their answers to questions about Bible and theology answered first before they even consider having faith. Others are going to want to work beside you in ministry to the poor, for example, in order to see if Christians really are as loving as they profess to be. And nowadays, almost all people across generational lines they're going to check us out online before they ever show up in person. 
Paul spoke of this when he wrote there in 1 Corinthians. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. So to be a faithful witness for Christ, we'll need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us, particularly if we find ourselves in the company of people who do not think and process the same way we do. Or they have contrasting life experiences. Or they come from a different type of a social group or demographic. With the Spirit's help, we can become all things to all people so that we might by all means save some. The key then to communicate the gospel is to first then be able to listen before we speak. Listen to their dreams and their hopes, their concerns and their doubts, their traumas, their failures, their triumphs. This is one of the things, by the way, that we hope to do by starting uh, to have a booth at Duncan Switch to listen to and get to know our neighbors. And don't assume that you already know what another person needs or that you already know what God is calling them to do. The Spirit may have given the gift of tongues on that Pentecost morning, but what most of us really need is the gift of ears to hear so that we can truly listen to the hearts of others. Remember that long before we ever meet a person, God has already been at work in that person's life. And that's what we Methodists call prevenient grace. And sometimes the best witness that we can possibly offer is to simply point out to a person how God has already been at work in their lives. If we remain sensitive to the Spirit's leading, then the Spirit will give us the right words at the right time. Before every interview I ever had as part of my ordination process, before an ordination committee or a board, I first prepared by, by reviewing all of my paperwork, because you had to write 30 pages of dense theological jargon, for the uh, 30 pages for the last interview, uh, separate 30 pages for the interview before that, eight pages for the interview before that. It's a lot of writing if you ever want to become ordained. But I'd review all of that paperwork so that I had it fresh on my mind and could speak with ease when they asked questions because I knew I was going to be nervous. But right before I go in, I would pray and I would repeat to myself the words of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. When they bring you before the synagogues, the rulers, and the authorities, do not worry about how you are to defend yourselves or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what you ought to say. So prepare and do your homework, and then rely on the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Pray and watch and wait for opportunities to share Christ. Sometimes it's as simple as just inviting someone to come to church with you. And even that kind of a simple invitation can open up vistas to deeper conversations. You might have another opportunity when someone comments on how they're impressed with how you're handling something that's difficult in your life. Or they may ask, how are you, how are you able to stay patient or calm in such and such situation? They may be curious 
Why is church such an important part of your life? Any inquiry can then become an opening to naturally share your faith. Also look for those holy coincidences that sometimes sneak up and surprise us. In the book of Acts, the apostle Philip just happened to be on the road going from Jerusalem to Gaza when he heard the Ethiopian eunuch reading from the prophet Isaiah. So Philip joined him and ended up baptizing the eunuch right there on the side of the road. Pastor and author Adam Hamilton, who many of you, most of you know or know who he is, but he tells us that he is frequently on an airplane coming or going from speaking engagements. And he often uses this time to prepare his sermons. And so to do that, he gets out of his carry-on bag his well-worn Bible. And he finds there's generally two reactions by the people that are sitting next to him. People see the Bible, and they either bury their head in a magazine or start staring down at their device, or they ask him about it, and they start having a conversation. And Adam uses these impromptu encounters to engage others in holy conversation. I think another opportunity, though this one is tricky, another opportunity may present itself when a person expresses a desire for a relationship with God or a deeper relationship with God. But the thing is, they will hardly ever use those words. They won't say, I'd like to have a better relationship with God. They'll say something more like, there's just something missing from my life. Or, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Or, I'm really wondering, really, is this all there is? Or, how on earth did this happen to me? Pray, watch, and wait for the opportunities to share Christ. Rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you in saying the right words at the right time, at the right circumstances. Listen before you talk. Above all, take loving care of your own relationship with God the Father through God the Son and the power of God the Spirit. One of my favorite passages is in a, a book that normally you don't preach a lot out of, the book of 1 Peter. But, but I love these verses here from the third chapter, I, I think about this often also when I was going through the ordination process. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. So I'd like to challenge you in the coming week. Be on the lookout this week for opportunities to share the hope that is in you. Pray for each person in which you come into contact, whether it's in person, on the phone, or online. How can I best represent Christ to this person? Sometimes it's as simple, particularly if you're online, of just being polite and not adding to all of the troll language that we find on the internet. It can be as simple as offering a listening ear or just issuing an invitation to come to church. It could be an opportunity just to share what your faith has meant to you and your relationship with God. Whatever it is, believe. Believe that the Holy Spirit will be with you and will be guiding you. 
Because do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated. And don't worry what you're to say. Because the Holy Spirit is going to teach you in that very hour what it is that you're to say. And so may all of us then be conduits of the Holy Spirit and to preach that sermon in all that we say or do. Amen. And now receive this benediction. The Holy Spirit has come upon you with power. Go therefore and be Christ's witnesses in your neighborhood, in your community, and to the ends of the earth. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Join us again next Sunday as we continue our sermon series, The Holy Spirit, God on Fire. You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.